I'm excited to be with you today. And before we dive into God's Word, I've got some exciting announcements to make. And the first announcement that I want to let you know about, church family, involves our uh, high school pastor, Phil Harden. All right? This is very exciting. Now, Phil would be on the platform with me today, but he had something very exciting happen yesterday. His wife, Michaela, at 4 p.m., gave birth to a baby boy. And there he is. He's, he's beautiful. His name is David Nicholas Harden. And so that is their second child. They're officially parents now, you know. I mean, you're, you're parents with one kid, but then you're really a parent when you got two. Because when you got one and something breaks in the house, you know who did it. And so now the job really gets, gets hard. So uh, we are so excited for Phil and for Michaela. And uh, regarding Phil, when I first got here in November... I took a look at our ministries, what we had, what we did not have, and I noticed and I heard from people that there were more and more young, young adults coming into our midst, and so I was meeting young adults, and I looked in this county, I looked in our region, I noticed I live in Elon, there's a major university in Elon, there are other schools in our city, in our region, and I thought to myself, we need a young adults ministry. We need something that is going to be available to people in that demographic, uh, that post-high school, throughout their 20s, maybe even early 30s, something where they can be ministered to, they can, they can connect with people in that phase of life. It's a very pivotal phase. Uh, people are, are moving away from the faith in that, in that time of life, and so it's very important that we pay attention to that. I, I was watching Phil. Phil, every time I saw him, he was surrounded by young adults, Many of his volunteers in that high school ministry are young adults. He connects quite easily with them. And so I invited him into my office. We sat down. We talked. I told him my vision for young adults ministry. He thought that was incredibly exciting. And I asked him what he thought about that. I said, Would you ever, do you ever see yourself being involved in a ministry like that? And he immediately resonated with that. He said, Absolutely, Pastor Scott. And I said, Well, why don't you pray about it? And I'll pray about it, and then we'll come back together. And when we came back together, it was abundantly clear that the Lord was, was directing Phil to move in the direction of young adults ministry. And so we are happy to announce that Phil's going to take a crack at that. And starting in August on the 17th, uh, he has his very first gathering of young adults, and he's at, uh, procured uh, the Blend Coffee House. After they close on Thursday nights, Lamb's Chapel is going to take it over. And we're going to offer a, a gathering time for young adults in our city, in our region, at, at The Blend on Thursday night starting August 17th. Can we give the Lord praise for that emergence of that new ministry? Amen. Now, you may be wondering, if Phil is stepping away from high school ministry, uh, what's, what's to become of that? Who, who's going to be taking that over? And I would like to invite up a family. And would you give a warm Lamb's Chapel welcome to Lydio and Jesse Banana and their family? Come on up here, guys. Oh, my goodness. These are some of my favorite people in the whole world. This is Lydio. <clears throat> this is his better half, Jesse, right here. We've got their son, Jordan. Jordan just graduated from high school. He's going to be, yeah, look at that. You get your own applause. They didn't even applaud her dad. <laughs> He's going to be attending Liberty Online uh, this fall. This is Selah. Selah is 12, going to be attending Grace Christian Academy. Yeah. And the most important member of the family is Bella. And Bella is also going to be attending Grace in the pre-K. Yes. 
And we are honored to have you all. They have another son, Jaden, who is in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, I just love this family. I've known, I've known them for years. When I saw that we had a, an, an opening in high school ministry, I thought there's nobody better than Lydio. This family is vibrant. They are creative. They love Jesus with all their heart. They love people with all their heart. And uh, they are going to be a, a fantastic and exciting addition to the ministry of this church. And uh, Lydio has a wide variety of experience in church work. And so what he is doing, he is not merely coming on to be our high school pastor. We have an opportunity here, and he is actually coming in the capacity of what is called a next-gen pastor, a next-generation pastor. So he's going to be overseeing uh, the transition between the age demographics from pre-K all the way up to young adults. Because we want to be intentional. If our job is to make disciples, we want to start early and guide them all the way to adulthood. And so he has a wide, wide swath of experience. Lydio, tell us why you're excited to be here. Yes, thank you, Pastor Scott. And you know that uh, as we move into the next gen position, I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Somebody say all generations. All generations. Forever and ever, amen. We are so glad to be a part of what God is doing with the next generation here at Lamb's Chapel, and we are just so glad to be a part of this church. Amen. And to be a part of the culture, the atmosphere, what God is doing here. And so thank you for welcoming us into this community, and we're looking forward to seeing what the Lord's doing. Amen, we're excited. Welcome. Thank you. Thank Welcome. You. <laughs> Can you extend a hand to this family right here as we commission them for service at this church and, and in the spirit for Phil as he steps into a new area? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the, the exciting opportunity that we've got here, Lord, to just see what you want to do. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? This is not our plan. This is your vision. You have brought it together. And uh, we just want to be obedient to that, Lord. We want to see opportunities where you want to be at work, and we want to go there. We want to join you. What a privilege, God. Would you give us uh, the vision that you have? Would you empower Phil to connect with young adults? Uh, so needed, so necessary in our region. And would you empower Lydio and his family as they join this ministry and serve here, Lord, and give them what they need to be successful in your eyes. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 One more time to appreciate the Lydio and Jesse Banana. and uh, The Lydio and Jesse Banana family. How's that? That's bunch. good. The Banana Bunch. I like it. I like it. And yes, their last name really is Banana. They're a great bunch. Uh, they have a lot of appeal. I'm out. I'm out. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm super excited to dive into our study once again. Take your Bibles. Join me in Matthew Let's, we're going to start in 19 today, but our parable is actually in chapter 20. So go to 19. We've been in this series, Kingdom Stories, been looking at this uh, tremendous uh, little device used by Christ at the end of his ministry, toward the end of his ministry, called a parable. He would speak in stories that use everyday examples from life. People would resonate with these examples, and he would use these to reveal truth to those who were seeking him, but at the same time, obscure truth from those who were not seeking him, who had rejected him. And we've looked at a number of parables, primarily in Matthew 13. And we looked at the first parable of the sower, which we said was representative of the kingdom uh, going out. It's the proclamation of that kingdom, because the gospel would be like seeds that were sown into hearts. 
And then we looked at the parable of the, uh, uh, the parable of the weeds, of the wheat and the tares, that some hearts would appear to have that seed take root, and they would grow, but they're not legit. They're not genuine. They only look like the kingdom, but that's the impersonation of the kingdom. We then looked at the parable of the mustard seed which is the tiniest seed. And we said that like that seed that is planted and becomes a mighty tree, the kingdom of God is going to expand and go around the world. And just like that tree offers sustenance and shade and provision to wildlife and birds, the kingdom of God will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And then we looked at the parable of the leaven. And the leaven in Scripture represents sin. And we talked about how just like leaven permeates a lump of dough, Sin can infiltrate the church, and this represented the potential for the the kingdom to be corrupted in this age, and how when the church is tainted, the world becomes darker because we're failing. We're, We're infiltrated with false doctrine and teaching and worldliness, and there certainly is the potential for that in this age. And then we looked at a pair of parables, the the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl, and we said that together those represent the unity of the kingdom, that God's going to do something marvelous in this age called the church age he's going to bring two peoples together that have nothing in common you got jew you got gentile natural born enemies but in christ become one people last week we looked at one final parable in matthew 13 the parable of the net and we said that like a big old drag net was used by fishermen in Christ's day to, to ensnare all the, wild, all the sea life in that lake and bring them in, and then they would separate the good fish from the bad fish. One day, there is coming a judgment moving into that kingdom age whereby God will separate the righteous from the unrighteous, the righteous reserved for the kingdom and the unrighteous reserved for everlasting destruction and judgment. And so that's as far as we've gotten. And so we are done with Matthew 13, but I've identified another parable that we want to look at today. And it too speaks of that coming kingdom. Jesus is coming back. We're not there yet, but we're in an age where facets of that kingdom are being manifested. But one day there's going to be uh, a kingdom and there's a a particular facet of that kingdom that we're looking at today. And in your notes, the parable of the vineyard speaks of the grace of the kingdom. We're going to talk about the grace of the kingdom. Do we really understand grace? Now, if you want to understand this parable, you got to do a little little background. And you find that in the previous chapter, in, in Matthew 19, in fact. And there you see a couple of passages, and one of them deals with an encounter that Christ has with a rich young man. Tradition calls him the rich young ruler. In fact, in a few weeks, I'm going to go on vacation, and when I get back, Phil Harden and I, on a Wednesday night, are going to do a little team teaching, and we're going to walk through the story of the rich young ruler. But this guy comes to Christ. He is young. He's got money. He is a person of influence, and he, he is seeking God. He has a religious background, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, what must I do? What good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? And Christ engages with this man, and ultimately, he says, one thing you lack, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And when he says that, this man hangs his head, walks away, and he's dejected. Jesus then turns to his disciples and he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the point there is not that money keeps us from God, but he had by his sovereign sight identified this young man's 
primary hang-up, money. It wasn't his wealth that was the obstacle, it was his greed that was the obstacle. And we could judge that young man, but before we do, I want you to look at who opens his big yapper next in this passage. In Matthew 19, verse 27, it says, Then Peter, oh, Peter, you could always count on Peter to say whatever was on his mind. He has no filter. Then Peter said in reply, "Uh, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? What's, What's in it for us? Is what he's asking. Does that sound like a selfish question? He's just speaking his mind. I bet the other guys are wondering this too. Uh, What's in it for us? You know, Lord, we didn't have to leave everything. We didn't have to leave our nets by the the shore there and follow you, but we did. We did. And, And now everybody is rejecting you. Everybody's closing their doors to you, which means they're closing their doors to us. We've sacrificed a lot just to align with you. What's in it for us? So we're seeing in these two passages the background to the parable of the vineyard that we're about to read. And in your notes, what I want you to observe is, first of all, that man's defaults are either entitlement or earning. Have you noticed that? What did the rich young ruler want to know? What good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? That's earning. What's the bottom line? What's the minimum amount that I need to accomplish, That the box I got to check so that I can have eternal life? Earning. Then Peter Hey, look at all we've done. Don't we get something for that? Entitlement. So that's where our minds go as human beings, and that's why the gospel is so naturally foreign to us. We either want to know what we got to do, or we want to know what's coming to us based on what we've already done. But Jesus answers this question in verse 28. He says to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, and I think that's a worthy phrase to underline, the new world. That's a special phrase. In the Greek, it's uh, polygonesia. You know what it means? It means the regeneration. And this is a word that is coined by Jesus. Nobody had used this word before. The regeneration. In fact, the suffix genesia, we get our word genesis from that, which means beginning. What is this polygonesia? This is, this is the kingdom. This is that coming kingdom. When Jesus is coming back, it's going to be a new world. Amen. It's going to be a new beginning. It's not going to be like it's ever been before. Unless it's more like Eden, it's going to go back to a factory reset is what it's going to do. We're starting all over. We don't know a world like this. This is a world in which the wolf is going to lay down with the lamb. This is a world in which swords will be beaten into plowshares. We don't know what that's like. And there will be a reunion of God with man and with his creation. It's going to be incredible. Truly a new world. And he goes on, he says, in this new world, When the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you, you twelve who have followed me, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You want to know what's in it for you? I'll tell you. This is what's in it for you. And so what we have learned from Jesus' statement here in your notes is that God's kingdom will feature special honor for select righteous. Okay? Is everybody going to sit on a throne and judge the nations? No, these guys are. This is a specific glimpse into a literal kingdom age. The kingdom is literal. Jesus Christ is not figuratively coming back. He is literally coming back. He is not figuratively going to reign from a throne. He is literally going to reign from a throne in 
the flesh, in person, in Jerusalem, a real city, there will be a, re- a redeemed Israel. And enthroned with him are going to be these 12 disciples. And he says, you're going you're to reign and you're going to rule and judge with me. Okay? That's what's in it for you, Peter. But he says, this won't just involve you. Because he goes on in verse 29, he says, And everyone, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake. ha. <laughs> All right, everybody that follows after me is going to get in on this. They may not do what you're going to be doing, but there's a blessing awaits. So in your notes, this teaches us that God's kingdom will feature not only special honor for select, but universal honor for all righteous. For all righteous, not all people, but for all the righteous. See, the world that we're in right now, Paul describes it as, as having uh, birth pains. Birth pains, Okay. Uh, some of you ladies know what that's like. Now, praise the Lord, Michaela, uh, Phil told me she only had to push for like eight minutes. That's a blessing right there. My wife, our first child, she was in labor 23 and a half hours. I was like, dang, honey. I go, we're naming this kid after you, boy or girl, okay? I'm gonna have a son named Deanna. You know, we didn't, but uh, I put it out there. I put it out there. Uh, The world that we're going through is having birth pains, awaiting a deliverance, a delivery (laughs) to come. Paul says that the creation groans in anticipation of his coming, his appearing. You ever groan? Every morning, Pastor Scott. Every morning. I know. I'm looking for a regeneration every morning. I could really use that. But this tells us that, you know, evolution's got it all wrong. Evolution says nothing of this. Evolution is not coming to a point. History is going somewhere, you see. Evolution teaches it's all random. It's just kind of chaotic. You know, the Bible is not just a collection of random stories that have some vague application for our lives. No, it's going somewhere. It's going to the glory of God. And he's saying that all who live by faith through this painful, harsh world that is groaning If you are enduring through that, something's going to happen. He says they're going to receive a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Literally, the word here in the Greek means a hundred times as much. A hundred times as much as what? It doesn't say. We don't know. It doesn't clear. It's just a hundredfold of your faithfulness. Now, what what is that? We want to know. How much? What's it going to be? What do I got to do? He doesn't tell you. You know why? Because God's not into merit badges. God's not into unlocking achievements like a video game. He doesn't want to give you those specifics. He just wants you to endure. He just wants you to be faithful. And your reward, your specific reward rather, will be in relation to the faithfulness by which you endure. Now this has nothing to do with your status. This has nothing to do with salvation This is in regard to your specific reward in heaven. Scripture's clear on that. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But there is certainly a general reward for all righteous. Everybody who has named the name of Christ will receive what he says next. He says, and they will inherit eternal life. Now that's the biggest perk of all. That's the biggest one of all. Do we really appreciate what that means, eternal life? Ah, God forbid we get lackadaisical about that. When we read John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that uh, none should perish, but everyone would have eternal life, right? Eternal life, we see that word, that phrase, eternal life, we're like, oh yeah, I got that. I got that. 
Check. No. Do you even understand what eternal life is? Think of everything good you enjoy in life, all good things. When you get to heaven, man, you are, you are going back to the mouth of that river. This is a good God. He is the ultimate in good. And the most insight that we get into heaven is scant in Scripture. I mean, Revelation 20, 21, it gives us the most detail on it, and it's still not a lot. And I think that's by design. I think if God told you uh, vividly about heaven, uh, a bunch of you, would, you'd be going up to Hanging Rock and jumping off. Like, you just want to get there. If you really knew what heaven was, you would be absolutely of no earthly good. You hear that phrase, they're so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. Not possible. Not possible, because we don't know what heaven is yet. It's so wonderful. But, but it says in verse 30, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. I want you to underline verse 30. You're going to see that line again in this parable that we're going to look at. There's a broader meaning here. We'll get into that. But the heart of it is the simple truth that we will, the righteous, we will all be together. We will all be together. The person who has been a Christian for decades and the guy that got saved yesterday, we're going to be there together. There's, no, there's nobody waiting at the end of a long, long line to get in. We're all going to have eternal life together. doesn't matter how you served. This, this general blessing. Doesn't matter how long you served. Doesn't matter when you came to faith. When I was in high school, I was on a wrestling team. I wrestled varsity. And uh, I remember my sophomore year at our end of the year awards banquet, they gave out letters. And every member on that varsity team got a letter. Now, our team, we had, we had really good wrestlers. We had all state guys. We had record holders. We had guys with winning records. And then we had Larry. And Larry wrestled 103, and he did not look like he had any business stepping on a wrestling mat. And he didn't win a match all year long. Wasn't because he didn't work hard, he just didn't have any natural ability, okay? And he's out there, and he's just languishing. In fact, uh, one time we went down to Iowa. We wrestled some schools in Iowa, and in Iowa, they have farm girls. (laughs) And some of those farm girls were on the wrestling teams, and they tended to be in the lower weights. And so Larry got to wrestle a girl. And he lost. And we were like, oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. But you know what? At the end of the year banquet, he got a letter. Larry got a letter. Same as anybody, because he was on that squad. And when he got a letter, didn't matter what his win record was or wasn't, he got a letter. And when he did, every member of that team stood and applauded because they knew the kind of teammate that Larry was. Because whenever he got his booty kicked on that mat, he came off and he screamed his head off for the next guy. He cheered, and so they were proud of him. The last will be first, and the first will be last. Because heart matters to God. It's not accomplishment. God doesn't care about accomplishment. He cares about faithfulness. It's the attitude you did it with. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing, you see. It's not what you did. It's how you did what you did and why you did what you did. God sees faithfulness. He does not reward accomplishment. 
And we see in chapter 20, he's continuing on from this context. Out of that conversation, he launches into a parable. And verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now there's a lot of truth in that one verse. A whole lot. This is a great picture of the Christian life. This is the, the, uh, the parable describing the kingdom. And the first observation we make in your notes is that the Christian life is a vineyard. And its master is God. What does the vineyard represent? What does that master represent? It's the Christian life and it's the Lord God. You can't have a kingdom without a king. You can't have a vineyard without a master. And so here we have the master of a vineyard. And as followers of Christ, we labor in that vineyard. How do we do it? We reap fruit. Where I lived in California, we were an hour from Napa Valley. My wife and I used to go up there and travel. We, they had these pristine vineyards, beautiful, and just rows of, of grapevines. And they had workers out there. What are they doing? They're tending that vineyard. They're working that vineyard. And the goal is to reap fruit. And in Christ's day, when you had a harvest, you'd break out the wine and you'd have a party. But until then, you worked. There would be some toil. There'd be some sweat. And so right now, we are waiting for the kingdom, waiting for the master. What are we doing right now? We're working in the vineyard. We're tending the vineyard. And the goal is to reap fruit. And we, it's not our vineyard, it's his vineyard. We're stewards of his vineyard. This this church is not my kingdom, okay? You're part of God's kingdom. My staff doesn't belong to me. No pastor's staff belongs to him. God does as he wills, right? And so you've got this master here, and he goes out, and he hires laborers for his vineyard. Now, in California, I don't know if it's the same here, but we we had, uh, as I drove, I would notice there'd be a, a group of guys on the side of the road. What were they doing? They were migrant workers, and they're all dressed up in work clothes. They got tools with them and such. What are they doing there? They're waiting for somebody to come by that has a job. They're looking for work. And so people would pull up. And if they had a job at their farm or at their house or wherever, and they, they didn't have to take the whole bunch. They didn't have to take any of them. But they would pick some guys. And those guys would hop in that truck. And off they would go. And they would, they would go to work. And they'd get because they needed, they needed the work. They needed the money. And so here you've got kind of a picture of that. You've got this master, and he's choosing laborers for his vineyard. Incidentally, this is the job description of mankind. God creates Adam. What is Adam supposed to do? Tend the garden. He puts him in that garden. Work the garden. Be a steward. Subdue and work that garden. So that's the literal job description of man at creation. And now... As a fallen creation, it's our spiritual job description for those who name Christ. And so in your notes number two, God selects believers with the expectation that we are to work in his kingdom. That's your job. You're here to work, right? One of the blessings of the Christian life is that we get to work. God didn't just save you so that you didn't have to go to hell. You didn't just obtain your fire insurance when you were born again. If that were the case you would receive Christ and bam, you'd be raptured to glory. He'd just suck you up to heaven right then and there. But you know what? You're still here, which means you got, you got work to do. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Ephesians says. And so this isn't just about life after death. It's about life before death. It's eternal life beginning now. 
work the vineyard. So this master finds these guys early in the morning, and they agree upon some compensation. Look at verse 2. He says, after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So there's a contract in place. I'm going to pay you a denarius for a day's work. And they agree, and they go. They go right away. They don't haggle. They're not trying to talk him up. They're not like, what about the 401k? They they go to work. And so he hires these guys, and then later we see something. He returns. This master returns to the marketplace. Look at verse 3. It says, and going out about the third hour, that's about 9 a.m., all right, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So he hires some more guys. Now, he doesn't have a contract for them, okay? There's nothing in place. They're just going to work for what is right. He's like, I'm going to give you a fair wage, and I will determine what that is. But, uh, you know, I saw you idle here. I said to myself, I'm going to bestow mercy on them. I'm going to give them an opportunity. And so they went, verse 5. And then later, it says, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. That's like... Noon and, and 3 p.m., right? Day's getting longer now. He does the same thing. Same thing. Now, by 9 o'clock, the workers would be pretty picked over at that point. By noon, the pickings are, are slim. By 3? <laughs> Man, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. at this. You've got a bunch of Larrys over here now. You ever go to the donut shop at 3 in the afternoon? Boy, those are some good donuts, aren't they? You're like, Pastor Scott, are you going to the donut shop at 3 in the afternoon? Hey, don't you judge me. But listen, you don't get great donuts. Unless you're into a slimy bear claw, there's not a lot left at the donut shop at 3. You're getting what everybody has passed over. This guy is seeing these workers. These are the workers that everybody has passed over. But that's not his perspective. That's not his perspective. He sees these guys that nobody wanted, and he says, that's not right. Boys, hop in the truck. And he takes them to his vineyard, and he puts them to work. Now, what is to be their compensation? They don't know. They don't know, and they don't care. They don't care. They're just glad to be going. They're glad to have the opportunity. All they know is, we're going to work. The master is going to watch. So we're going to make this count. That is a benevolent master. That is a magnanimous master. And our master, the Lord God, has chosen us, and he has not chosen us based on anything other than uh, his will, you see. Uh, Does he need you? He's picking these workers, this master. He's picking workers. Does he need workers? No, he's got a vineyard filled with workers, but he keeps picking more workers. Does God need you? I assure you he does not. He does not need you in any way, shape, or form. And so he very graciously takes these guys who have a need. They have a need to go and to be put to work. And then in verse 6 it says, And about the eleventh hour, about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said, Because no one has hired us. Nobody wants us. We're too puny. We're unimpressive. It's not because we're lazy, but nobody, nobody sees value in us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Man, he just keeps going. 
He's, he's bringing them in like, I mean, like Oscar Schindler, man. He's bringing them into his vineyard. And this is the third point that we observe is that God's choosing is based on his sovereignty and mercy. It's not based on merit. It's not based on qualification. These guys are the last ones picked. Have you ever been the last one picked in gym? Don't raise your hand. That's embarrassing. That's a good feeling in it. You're there in your ugly gym uniform, and you're the only one standing there. That's terrible. Man, he sees these guys. It's got to be embarrassing. It's got to be humiliating for him to be there at the 11th hour, and yet they're desperate, and he takes them. That is not based on qualification. God doesn't choose us based on our accomplishment or pedigree, what we have done. He chooses us sovereignly, mercifully, and they go, and they don't, they're only going to work like an hour at this point. And yet they're excited to go. And this is my experience with people who come to Christ late in life. They have regret over the wasted years of their youth, and yet... Now they found Jesus, or he's found them. And they're like, I'm going to make the last few years I got count. Because I don't have any business being here. These workers had no business in that vineyard. The master let them go in. And so when we come to Christ, no matter when we come to Christ, our perspective is, by rights, I shouldn't be here. I am only here by the sovereignty and the mercy and the grace of a holy God. And the difference between the workers chosen early on and the workers chosen late in the day is that the first group is doing what it has to. The second group is doing what it gets to. That's the difference in perspective. Some work because uh, of what they are are told they will receive. Others work. They have no idea what they're going to receive. They're just working based on what they have. Do all saints have the same perspective? No, no, there are Christians in the West, in America, that have grown up in church. Uh, they're kind of jaded. I mean, they're saved. I believe that there be people that are born again, but they've got an attitude that is different from believers who, are, who, are, who come to Christ in a, com- a country where there's persecution. There's not an air of sacrifice everywhere around the world. You can be born again and sound a little entitled. Is that true? Can you be the child of a father and be entitled and still be his child? You can. Uh, can a father come to a teenage boy and say, mow the lawn, and that boy says, do I have to? <laughs> yes, you have to. Okay. All right, mow the lawn. I'm coming back. All right. And then dad comes back. Lawn's not mowed. Hey, why don't you mow the lawn? Yeah, well, uh, there's no gas in the tank. <laughs> so, so put gas in the tank. You want to put gas in the tank too? Okay. All right. Okay, I'm coming back. And then you come back. It's only half mode. Like, hey, what happened? How come you didn't finish the job? Well, there's a garden hose out there. <laughs> so move the garden hose. Well, first you want me to mow the lawn, now you want me to mow the gar- or move the garden hose. Oh, do we maybe we need to renegotiate, you know? I mean, it's like it's like they've joined a union. <laughs> we have to understand something. That these workers are excited to work. They do whatever they can to please their master. The later they're accepted, the more gung-ho they are for their master. If God wanted to leave you to waste away apart from Christ, he could have done that, but he didn't. And so we need to have the attitude of, I'm going to give all. I don't know how much time I've got left. I don't know what my reward is going to be, hundredfold. I don't know what that means. I know I have eternal life. That's all I know. 
but they work. And in verse 8, it says, and when evening came, very important phrase, when evening came, folks, this age is not going to go on forever, the one that we're in right now. It's going to come to an end. The sun is going to set on this age, okay? He says, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. What does that sound like? That's judgment. There is a judgment waiting for everybody. There's a judgment for the righteous, okay? We know some verses that talk about payment of wages. I think we do. So this is judgment time. Compensation is coming. But notice the instruction about the order. He says, bring me the guys that we hired last. I want them first. The first shall be last. The last shall be first, you see. So bring the ones who come last, all right? They've only, the last ones are the guys hired at the 11th hour. And it says in verse 9, And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. That's a day's wage. That's what he promised the first group of guys. Okay? They only, these guys at the 11th hour only put in a scant amount of time. They, but they were earnest in the time that they were given. And so this master rewards these, these leftovers, these, these rejects, with a full day's wage. Did he have to do that? He did not have to do that. You know what a denarius was? A day's wage. That met all your needs for your family for the day. That's why it was a day's wage. One denarii. Okay? And so the Lord gives us exactly what we need when we come to faith. He meets our needs. This is the general blessing for all the righteous. Eternal life. He sees our need. Okay, it doesn't matter when you came to faith. It doesn't matter if you were a Christian most of your life or you're the thief on the cross and you trust Christ and you die. You get eternal life. You get your need met. I will meet your need. doesn't matter when you come to faith. Now, the guys over here that were picked first, they're watching the wages being granted to these 11th hour guys and they're, they're probably rubbing their hands together like, ho, 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 hot dog. Guys, see that? He's given the guys that only worked an hour a full day's wage. Can you imagine what we're going to get? Oh. Verse 10. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. What? What's this? And on receiving it, verse 11, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, These last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. We've been here longer. We worked through all the hot North Carolina sun and the humidity. Oh, the humidity. You guys weren't lying about the humidity. Dude, I'm going to have to buy a case of hairspray or something. <laughs> ah, self-deprecation. Anyway, these guys are like, man, we worked so hard, been here all day. I, I, you know, I got a sunburn. This scraggly bunch, they just traipse in here. They get the same as us? What's that all about? But he replied to one of them, verse 13, he said, friend. Now, he says, friend. This word for friend is not philos, which is the common word for friend. This is hetairos. Hetairos. Now, that means friend, but it can also carry an air of rebuke. Like, look, pal. Listen, bud. All right? Here's the deal. He says, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? That was our arrangement. You agreed to, I'm being totally fair to you. He says in verse 14, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker 
as I give to you. You see, in, in the kingdom, God's justice and mercy are in total perfect harmony. This master did what he said he would do. He is not being vindictive to the first group. He's being honorable to them. He's being faithful to them. The only issue is their jealousy. Is their jealousy. Verse 15, he says, am I not allowed to do what I, uh, to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Interesting. It's his money. It's his mercy. See, you getting into heaven got nothing to do with you. Not a blessed thing. It is all the sovereignty and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 16, so the last will be first and the first last. And folks, that is the essence of grace. In your notes, God's blessings are according to his pleasure, not according to what we deserve. Not according to what we deserve. Law is the opposite of grace. Law, with that, you get what you deserve. No doubt about it. You say, well, I just want what I deserve. If you got what you deserve, you would die and burn in hell. All right? Let's get that straight. All the righteous that, that are in the world, all the righteous, all those who name Christ, we will all go to the same heaven. Uh, but listen, this parable is not about the fact that we all have equal reward in terms of eternal life. That is a facet of it. But you do see in Scripture, you do see that there is a recognition on the part of God for what is done in the body. You're like, well, what's the point of serving? Is there, is there any kind of compensation for being faithful? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. But you have to have the right attitude. But Scripture is clear. I've already told you, those 12 disciples, are they going to get a specific reward that not everybody else is going to get? Yes. They're going to be seated on 12 thrones. They're going to rule over the 12 tribes. So we know that there is a specific recognition in glory, but there is a general recognition of eternal life, which is the, the greatest possession anyone could ever have because that means you have Jesus. But we see in Matthew 16, 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of his Father, and he will repay. Repay? He will repay each person according to what he has done. Matthew 19, 21 says, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. You're going to have treasure in heaven. You do this, you get this. Uh, Luke 14, 14, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid, repaid. When? At the resurrection of the just. See, there is a judgment for the righteous. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. There will be no lost people at this judgment. And so this judgment is not about whether or not you go to heaven. If you're at that judgment, you're going to heaven. If you're at that judgment, eternal life belongs to you. What is that judgment about? It's about reward for faithfulness. Scripture teaches this. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. In the body, whether good or evil. And so a lot of this language is of earning. It just doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. It doesn't have anything to do with eternal life. It has nothing to do with where you spend eternity, but it has something to do with how you spend eternity. And I want to show you something. I want you to turn, if you can, to 1 Corinthians 3, 
1 Corinthians 3. We're going we're gonna to wrap this up with this passage right here. There is a universal blessing of eternal life through faith in Christ, but there's something else available to us. There's something else available. 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no one, Paul says, can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's your salvation. Nobody can lay any other foundation. It ain't works. It's not... You know, it's not Islam, it's not Buddhism, it's not uh, Hinduism, it is Jesus Christ and him alone. One road, all come to the Father through me, he says. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation, so we're talking about you've got the foundation of Christ, you have eternal life, now you're building on the foundation. You with me? If anyone builds on the foundation with, and there's two categories here, the first category is gold, silver, precious stones, Second category is wood, hay, straw. Now, those terms refer to the quality of the work that we do while in the body, meaning while we draw breath on this earth. So the gold, silver, precious stones, those are lasting works. Those are what we do for Christ that last in eternity. Wood, hay, straw, those are the works that might look pretty dang good here on planet earth, but they mean nothing in eternity. And he says in verse 13, each one's work will become manifest for the day, capital D, that's judgment day, the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. All right? So the vision of God is perfect and it will see through anything that we do while on this earth. And all the works that we accomplish in the name of Jesus, but we secretly do them to draw attention to ourselves, it doesn't matter a whit to God. All right? If we do it to garner favor with people, to, to, to uh, 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 procure for ourselves position or influence or prestige, the power plays, the acclaim, uh, everything that we seek that appeals to our flesh, God at judgment will reveal it all for what it is. He will reveal it all. So in your notes, the special honor a believer receives in eternity is reserved for works done in grace and humility. Your motivation, it's not what you did. It's how you did what you did and it's why you did what you did. Your eternity, you put your faith in Christ, you turn your life over to him, once saved, always saved, but as you endure, there is a manner by which you must endure if you expect any kind of uh, recompense at the judgment. Only what's done for Christ will last. Verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Does that mean you go to hell? No, because it says, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. You see, if I, don't, if I don't do anything that will last, if I don't do anything for Christ in this life, but I've trusted him as my savior, well, first of all, I highly doubt that if you're truly born again that you're just going to be a, a slug. I sincerely believe that, that the authentically regenerated are going to want to serve the Lord. But we all have the flesh and we all have our own will and we can choose to ignore that which is uh, eternal at times. So if somebody wastes years of their, 
redemptive life, will they still go to heaven? Apparently, you will, but you might go with your coattails smoking. The stark warning is the first will be last, and the last will be first. William Barclay is a theologian. He says this. He says, Jesus lays it down that there will be surprises in the final assessment. It may be that those who were humble on the earth will be great in heaven, and that those who were great in this world will be humbled in the world to come. If you're saved by grace through faith, as, as we've studied in Ephesians, then you believe that. But there is a functional meritocracy of sorts by which you are establishing to the glory of God in eternity something done in this realm, in this earthly plane that is to reverberate. One of my favorite movies is Gladiator. That's a confession. And Maximus in that movie says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. <laughs> that's right. He was a pagan, but that's true. Is what you do in life, does that echo in eternity? Is that going to reverberate? Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the insight of your word today, God. I thank you that all who are righteous receive eternal life. That is the promise of God. Your promises are ironclad, but God, you at the same time want us to understand the fragility of this life, the limited time that we have. We don't know how much time that we have, and you want us to strive to do things in your name that matter to you. May we check ourselves, God, by the Holy Spirit that is in us so that we may discern our motivation. Search me, O oh God. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Help me to pursue that which is everlasting. I pray your blessing upon this group here today in Jesus' name.